You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Go ahead and open your Bibles with me over to Hebrews chapter 11 again, if you would. We're going to try and get through another verse or verse and a half today. We've been in a series for some time. I think this is week six, maybe. I guess I don't have it on here. Um, We've been in a series called Undeterred for a while. And what we're talking about is living in a... Okay, I can't talk and open my Bible at the same time, apparently. All right. Um, We're talking about living a life where we're engaged with God, receiving things from Him, living in a trust in God that doesn't get knocked off track every time something happens in our life. And so we talked for quite a while about this term undeterred, and to be deterred means to be turned aside from the pursuit of a goal, means to be discouraged from accomplishing something, and especially through doubt or fear or the threat of possible negative outcomes. And uh, I I really liked um, part of the definition to deter means to scare off by intimidation or by discouragement, demoralization, which means removing your hope and your vision. Uh, The devil likes to do all of that in our lives. And so we want to be people that through our whole life, and this is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, through from beginning to end, all the way to the day either Jesus comes back or we leave the planet, one or the other. All the way to the end, we want to live in this confidence in God and whatever that produces and what it leads and directs in our life. And I'm sure all of you, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've, you have probably have friends, probably know people, I certainly do, that have started out real strong in their life with God, but because either through uh, accepting things that aren't true about God or through different things happening in life and them not understanding how to process through that, Different losses, discouragements, disappointments, betrayal is a big one a lot of times. It'll really uh, bring us into offense and just get us off track to where we just begin. We, we will slowly but surely substitute something else that we trust in instead of God. And the big problem with that is we, we don't end up, I mean, I'm not, even, I'm not talking about walking away from Jesus altogether. I'm talking about not having a vital relationship with him to where you, you don't produce the things that you're supposed to be producing in your world, in your place. God has you. We've talked about purpose. We've talked about the way that we are here for a reason. We are not here in this generation just to exist and wait for Jesus to come back. That's not what, some of us were, were told that when we became Christians. We thought that that just meant, okay, now I'm saved. In other words, I'm going to live eternity with God. And yeah, that's a that's a good thing. But we thought that was it. And so now we just kind of hang out and do the best we can until we die or he comes back. Well, that's not, that's not the picture that we have. That's not the assignment that Jesus gave us at all. So we've been talking about this idea. And uh, last week, we spent, uh, we've spent a lot of time on Hebrews eleven thirteen, And I'm going to read it again to you. It says, all these people. And let me just remind you, Hebrews 11, okay? It's a, it's a commendation chapter. The Lord, verse 2 in the NIV says, this, their faith, is what the ancients were commended for. And then it goes on to describe what their faith looked like and give us just some really great verses about what faith is. And that's an interesting thing because I think a lot of us 
Uh, maybe we'll talk about that in a little while. There's, you know, a lot of us have some different concepts about what faith is. And a lot of us don't realize that it's something very dynamic, very personal, something that God actually births in us. It's, it's not just us emotionally working up a trust in God, or um, there are all kinds of ideas out there right now, uh, getting to be more and more of them about what faith is. But so we come down to, in this chapter of commending people, we come down to verse 13, and he says, all these people, he's just given us a list of people who live by faith. He says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. And we've said for a couple of weeks now, what that's saying is they made it all the way through and, and they lived their entire life up till the moment they died, trusting in God and pulling on his promises. And that's what it says here. They, they were still living by faith when they died they did not receive the things promised. And remember I said that word receive means they didn't take full personal possession of the fullness of what was in the promise of God. So these are Old Testament believers, right? What they were pulling on by their faith, what they were trusting God for, he had in many ways, he had given them promises about who he was and what he would do in their life. He had given them promises about the promised land. We talked some about what that means last week. Um, he was, they were looking for Messiah. They were recognizing they couldn't possibly keep the law perfectly and be righteous with God. It, it, and that's what much of the old covenant was about, was showing human beings that we can't do it by doing all the right things. Not a one of us having the perfect attitude and doing all the right things all the time. Therefore, we need a savior. We need somebody to step in and, and be that Messiah for us. And so they were pulling on the coming of Messiah and all that that would entail. And now we're on the other side of the cross. Jesus, the Messiah has come and we are pulling on all that he did at the cross and all that that means. Salvation is a huge word in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. It doesn't just mean going to heaven or spending eternity with God. It means all kinds of things. It, it includes uh, health for our bodies. It includes uh, strong relationships. It includes peace. It includes, even in bad situations, having peace in our hearts. It includes joy. It includes a satisfaction about your life and a purpose for your life. It includes all kinds of things. And, and so um, we are now on, on, on that side of the cross. They were pulling on the coming of Messiah. We are now pulling on everything that, that Jesus did at the cross and has provided for us in, in the spirit realm. So it says they did not receive, they didn't fully take hold of the promises, the things promised, everything that was in the promises, right? It says they only saw them and welcomed them. We've looked at those two terms. I want to talk about them again this morning. They saw them. This is what faith did in them. They saw what was in the promises and they welcomed them from a distance. And then it says they had this attitude in their hearts. They admitted they were aliens and strangers on the earth. In other words, they took an eternal view of a temporary life. They, they understood this, this isn't permanent home. And for us as believers, this is our assignment. This planet is our assignment. It's not our permanent home. 
We have a permanent home. It's not here. We're aliens and strangers. And we have to have that idea in our, in our hearts that we are here temporarily. This is not, no matter what happens on this planet, this is not the end for me. Okay, this is not all God has for us. So, so this is a, a really big verse. And I, again, these people were being commended because even though in their lifetime, they didn't take full possession of everything they knew God had for them. Okay, everything they knew that he was promising. They didn't take full personal possession of it, yet they never lost their faith. They didn't allow that fact of not getting a breakthrough or something going wrong in their life. Or, I mean, read the Old Testament. They had some stuff going on. You know, they're going into captivity. They're being made slaves. There's all this stuff. They have good kings and bad kings and all this stuff going on. And yet they walked through that all the way to their death still trusting God, still through faith, pulling on those promises. And we've read other verses in this chapter where it's obvious that it's for, for future generations to receive those promises. It was essential that these people in their generation be living by faith. So again, it says faith produced these two things in them. Through faith, they saw and they welcomed. Okay, the promises of God, what God had said, what God had promised. They saw and they welcomed. So that word saw, here's what it means. It means to see something in the spirit or to perceive something in the heavenly realm that you don't see around you in life right now. It's looking, it's spending time with God, spending time in his presence, spending time in his word, and he begins to show you things that you're not seeing yet in yourself or in your family or in your community or in your church or, or in your nation or whatever it is, you start to see, here's God's heart. Here's what in the death of his son, he provided this. And it is a spiritual reality, which is a higher reality than this earthly reality. And I'm not seeing it in the earth yet, but, but faith is being birthed in me as I see what God is showing me. And this is why our devotional time, our, our own prayer time, and our own time of the Word is so important because God will do this for everybody. But, but here, let me finish this definition. It's to see something in the Spirit, to perceive something in the heavenly realm. That does two things. It persuades you and it moves you to action. So you got it, we're, we're spending time with God, he's revealing things to us. The first thing that that does when the Lord opens his word to you or speaks something to your heart or shows you a picture in your heart of how it can be or what he's done in Christ, when he shows that to you, the first thing it does is persuade you. And the word faith in the New Testament means to be persuaded. That's what it means. And, and so in that, as we're spending that kind of time with God, he changes our mind. He changes our thinking about what is possible and what is impossible. And we throw this around a lot, and I just think it's a great phrase that all impossibilities are equally possible with God. There aren't, the scripture tells us nothing is impossible with him. All right, so whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're needing, whatever you're believing for, as long as it's in his word and in his promises, if it's somebody else's husband or wife, that doesn't count, okay? Uh, and I've told you that before, I've actually had people come into my office and say, I believe God is giving me this person's wife. And anyway, that conversation didn't go that well. Um, so anyway, as long as it's in the promises, as long as it's in the nature of God, as long as it's something Jesus has provided, all impossibilities on this earth, they're equally possible with God. And our role is not just to get the breakthrough or get the blessing or get the whatever. It's to pull on 
what God has promised. And that's for everybody around us, not just for us. When the righteous are blessed, the, the city rejoices, right? Yeah, I knew that. You know, when, when you're blessed in your life, other people around you are blessed too. When your business is blessed, you hire more people. I mean, it comes down to the practical a lot of times. So um, we see something and it persuades us and it moves us to action. It changes your mind. It changes. We are, genuine faith is a motivator. It will always change what we're doing. It'll, it will move us. We'll actually act on it. Faith works that way in our hearts. And again, it's not up to you to squeeze out an emotion of trust. It is up to you to spend time with God. And as you, as you interact with him in intimacy, he produces faith in you. And it'll persuade you. It'll change you. So, it says they didn't receive everything in the promises, but they did through faith. They saw and they welcomed. Okay, they welcomed. And that word in the Hebrew, it means to greet with enthusiasm. So what God was showing them, they didn't just step back and say, oh, that's not for me, that's for somebody else, or that's impossible or whatever. They greeted it with enthusiasm. And I was thinking about, some of you know our dog, Lucy. Some of you don't. She's a great greeter. We've often said she'd be a great greeter here. She just, she just loves people. And she doesn't jump all over you and do all that, but she just loves people. You know, uh, my brother came yesterday. These guys came and, and you know, he's, he's been, you've been there several times when, when Lucy's there. But anyway, first she started, you know, she heard a different car, so she started barking a little bit in the house. But as soon as she saw it, the tail's going. She knew who it was. She went out there and stood in front of them so they couldn't get in the driveway, which was, I was saying, get, yeah, kick them down the road. But when we go home on Sundays, we've uh, developed this thing over the years with her that when we go home, especially on Sundays, it's this big greeting time. And you walk in the door and she's just, you know, wiggling and she gets rubbed and she gets and we just make a huge deal over. So she comes every Sunday when we're coming home, which has been a little less easy for the last few weeks. But she comes and she's just, it's greeting time. You know, you know that you were missed. And um, we're supposed to have, we're supposed to greet the promises of God with enthusiasm. And that's one of the things faith does. We get excited about what God is saying and doing, about what he has done, about what he's saying he's going to do, what he is doing. It creates an enthusiasm in us. And the other part of welcoming is you make necessary preparations to receive. So in other words, we start to live our lives differently based on something that hasn't happened here yet. But it's so real to us in the spirit realm that faith, perceives it as if it is all, it's already here. And we have, I've actually had two of my brothers visit this week. My other brother came down earlier in the week, and we had to go pick him up in Grand Junction and, and from the airport and stuff. And so, you know, we made preparations, although we didn't make many. We told these guys, we'd love to see you, but we're overloaded. We're not making any preparations for you. There will be no food. There will be nothing. They came anyway. So... Uh, so maybe we're not, we weren't living by faith. But anyway, you know, he, he was supposed to arrive at a certain time. His plan was three hours late. We didn't get home till forever. But we sat there and anticipated his coming. The plane will come. I don't care what the TSA guy says. It's not going to overnight in Denver. It will come. 
And, you know, we made preparations. And you do that in your home. When somebody's coming, you make preparations, even though they're not there yet, right? You understand what I'm saying? We do the same thing as God shows us things. Faith will greet it enthusiastically and start to make changes in life, knowing that this thing is coming from his promises. And, and so we live a different kind of life. And let's go, uh, just go back to Hebrews 11.1. 1, if you're looking, I hope you're looking in your Bibles. Um, it says, it says this exact thing in the Amplified Bible about faith. It says now, right now, faith is the assurance. It's the confirmation, the title deed. So there's this element of, I don't see the car, but I have the title in my hand. I own it, right? This shows I own the car. Faith does that. It's a, it tells your heart you own what God is showing you. And so you'll start to live. You'll clear out the garage or whatever. You'll make preparation for the thing you already possess before you see it happen. That's how faith lives. So faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith does that in our hearts. It gives us this assurance. It, can, it, it is a conviction of, of a reality that we can't see in the natural yet. It's, it, it assures your heart. It takes possession of that thing before you ever see it happen. Uh, the Amplified says, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. I love that. That's what faith does. It sees and it welcomes. It welcomes. It, it takes Hold up. So, so the point is, and we've been making this for a couple of weeks, when a promise is delayed and we don't see the breakthrough that we thought we were going to get, or we don't, you know, it, it just doesn't happen in our time frame. We get really messed up with time frames and praying and believing God for things. Uh, and it doesn't happen in our time frame. We don't quit believing and praying and standing in faith because our faith is not just about the culmination. It's not just about the things showing up on the earth. It's, we are pulling on, and we've been saying this for weeks, there should be things in our life that we are pulling on. And, and yes, we pursue them and we want to see them come to pass in our lifetime. We pursue them with all of our heart. We know this is God's heart. We know this is God's will. So we're pursuing it with all of our heart. But it may not show up till the next generation. We don't know. But us pulling in this generation is making it available for the next generation. Your life is bigger than your life. And that's such an important idea for us to get. Your life is just, you are a part of something much bigger than you. And, and that's a good thing. All right. So there is an assurance. There is a certainty that comes to our heart. And your brain will still argue with you. Don't get me wrong. Your brain will argue with what faith is producing in your heart. We all go through this. And the scripture talks about it. And it talks about things being confirmed in our heart um, that our mind is, is still doubting and arguing with. And you've got to kind of learn the difference. And you've got to let what God's doing in your spirit define who you are and what you're doing. And, and you know, deal with your soul and, and let God deal with your soul, your mind, your emotions, your will. But don't get deterred by them. Don't get pulled off track because you, you still have little doubts coming in your head. Just keep going back to that place with God 
and just strengthen what's in your heart. Strengthen that foundation because that's where faith works. That's where faith works. It's in your heart. It's, it's in your spirit. So um, I'll share this with you real quick. I heard just kind of, I don't know if this is, I think this is on topic. Uh, I had a discussion uh, this week on online on Facebook with, uh, I do know some people on Facebook that are just solid, by the way. I never tell you about them. Yeah, they're boring. Yeah, that's right. They're all getting driven off. No, this is one of my friends. I've, I've had, you know, I've talked to you about different things. He has moved from uh, trusting God and knowing God in, in the way that all of us do over to a place where he believes, he's a universalist, he's a confessed universalist, which means he believes because Jesus went to the cross, everybody's saved. Not everybody knows it, but everybody's going to heaven. Doesn't really matter what you do, doesn't matter if your behavior changes. We all believe together. There's a lot of deceptive uh, wording that goes on in that whole camp, that whole group. And there are some big time, very famous, very popular preachers that are in that camp because you can draw big crowds when you tell them there's really no accountability or you know anything you have to do in your life. We all know that everybody's welcome in the kingdom of God. I mean, he took us in, you know. Everybody's welcome. Everybody has their stuff. There are no perfect people here. You know, we all have sin. We all have things we're working through. But that's the key is we know also that as we come to Christ and we spend time with him, he's going to change things in us. The changes he's made in me so far have been really good. My sin was the sin that he's worked through so far was not helping me. The sin I'm still in isn't helping me either, right? So we need to change. We, need, we understand that a huge part, a huge message in the New Testament is that transformation, that renovation process that the Spirit of God does on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit and His Word. And so we understand that. So that's where the difference comes is their message is just everybody's blanket saved. Doesn't matter. You just come on in and, it, and God will never require anything of you. Never try to change or anything. So, so he posted a thing the other day that's kind of one of their tenants. And, and it, was about, um, it was about faith. And it was, about, it, it was saying that faith is the opposite, the exact opposite of certainty. That you can't be certain, you can't be certain and be in awe of God. And he went into this beautiful thing. Guy's a good writer and very influential with people because he touches their hearts. One of this big thing about how when we have these experiences with God, we're awed and he's so big and we get hit with this bigness and, and that we're just like, wow, there's so much more in you, Lord. There's so much more depth. And, you know, we might refer to that, which is true. Yeah, we might refer to that in terms of there's always mystery in God. There are things we don't know, you know, there are things and, and he's big and, and his goodness sometimes is just overwhelming. Well, what he did was he wrote all of that, which is true. But then he said, that is faith. That sense of awe is faith. That's not faith. That's a sense of awe. That's, that's, a, that's a wonderful part of our walk with God. But it's not, that is not what the word faith means. So what he did was change the meaning of the word faith and say it means this, which is a big habit in our society today, right? Relativism run amok. 
just change the meaning of the word and then everybody's happy with it, right? It's going on all over our society. We've been predicting it for 30 years. This whole thing is, you know, your truth is not the same as my truth. And, you know, all of those ways of thinking, they're all different, all different truths and there's no objective truth. That whole deal that's been going on for a long time. Well, that's, that's what's going on in this aspect, in this part of the church. So you just say, well, this over here is this, this knowing how big God is, that's faith. And so because you see in that moment how big God is and you're just not sure how big he is, that that means faith equals uncertainty. When the scripture says, Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Now, I already went through this discussion with him. He posted that another time, probably a year or more ago, and I tried to debate him on it. And of course, that didn't go anywhere because it never does. But just brought up scriptures and the definition. I gave him the definition of the Greek word pistis that is translated faith. It doesn't mean that. And the problem with that is not just that this guy believes it. The problem with that is that this process is going on. And the reason I'm bringing it up to you today in this context is because you need to know what your Bible says. And you need to have your own relationship with the Word. You need to do some study. You need to. There's a lot of stuff being taught out there by very popular, charismatic. I don't mean that in the sense they believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, people love to hear them. Teachers out there that are teaching stuff like that, that is not what the Bible says. It's all over. We have access to all kinds of things, good, bad, and indifferent. So I'm just here, I guess, as pastor today saying, be careful what you're eating. You know, pay attention. I mean, that's just ludicrous. And the comments, oh, that's so great. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, that's so wonderful. It breaks my heart. I'm not mad at the guy. It breaks my heart because it's not the truth. And he's just, you know. So anyway, faith produces a certainty in the heart. Brain can still argue. In the heart, you know that you know that you know that that promise is a reality in the heavenly realm. And our job is to pray and live a life that says, Father, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. What's in heaven? What's allowed? What's disallowed? What's there? What's not there? That's what God wants to see on earth. And our life, we don't want to get deterred from pulling on that stuff. I know I've been saying this to you for like a month, but I can't quit. So I think we're supposed to get it. You okay with this? All right, let's see if we can. Oh, I bet we can get another verse today. Um, so again, commendation chapter, right? Oh, this is still the same verse. We talked about, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Um, I just got to look here and see if I need to go through something. We just talked about this last week. These people died controlled and sustained by their faith. I'm not going to go into that. I had a little extra on it, but we covered that last week. So if you weren't here, get the podcast, get the YouTube, get a CD, get something. Let's, let's move on. So here we are, verses 14 and 15. Probably only get through 14. Um, But Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, so these same people, it says, now people who talk as they did show plainly that they are in search of a fatherland. 
their own country. So this was another aspect of their faith. They, they had this uh, conversation. I believe that means more than just the words that came out of their mouth. Their lives were lived in a way that demonstrated that they were in search of a fatherland. Well, when I think of fatherland, I just automatically think of Nazi Germany, and then I think of BMW motorcycles, and then I'm off thinking about something that has nothing to do with God. So, so uh, I, I started looking into this. What, what does this whole thing mean? So the first thing we have to remember is that the promised land in the Old Testament, that was a real thing, right? I mean, that was the Lord led Israel into an actual country, a land of promise. It was a part of what he promised to him. But for us New Testament believers, there's also this type and, and shadow of that. The promised land is a picture for us of our life in Jesus Christ. It is a land of blessing. It was a land that flowed with milk and honey into the Hebrew mind, milk represented health and honey represented prosperity and success and all of that, you know, again, not, I'm not talking about just in the sense of wealth, but, you know, family doing well and things going well in life. And so all of that is wrapped up in our salvation. So when we look at, at verses about the promised land, we can understand, yep, this is just what it was for them. For us, it's a, it's a picture. It's an illustration of our our life in Christ. And it says, so it says they lived their life and, and it was outwardly obvious that they were in search of this land of promise. For us, it's in search of the fullness of what Jesus died to give us. Does that make sense to you? Does it? Okay. Two or three. That's all we need. Um, so, so this is what it meant that this in search of, this phrase in search of, it means they inwardly longed for this land or this life. On the inside, they were, they were longing for it. They were longing for an environment. They were longing for, they were striving after. It means to long for, to strive after, and it means to require or demand. This is what was going on on the inside of them. They were requiring and demanding a fatherland, their own land, their own country. And for us, translated to the life of Christ, this is, this is a good thing. We're not, the idea here is, is because honestly, this is the heart behind spirit-led intercessory prayer. That we see what God has, we are welcoming it, and we are longing for it. We are demanding it. We're not saying, God, you need to do something more because you said this. We're understand, we're praying from a place of fullness. We're not praying from a place of lack. We're praying from, wow, I see what's in your promises. I see what's going on in heaven, what your desire is, what's in your heart. And now your will be done on this earth. It's not, God's not the enemy in it. We're, we're coming and we're, we're, we're in search of it. We're longing. We're even demanding through our prayer that it be released on the earth for people's lives. Again, it's for blessing for people. Does this make sense to you? When we pray together in little groups, and, and this is what we do on Wednesday mornings. This is what we do at different times when we get together. We'll, we'll just all, you know, we'll start to pray. We'll usually spend a little time in worship. And then different topics will start to come up in people's hearts. And we'll pray over those and different ones. will pray different things. But then there will be something 
almost inevitably, there will be one or two things that you can feel the Spirit of God highlighting that day. And each one of us, we just be, we, I pray out whatever I've got for that. Karen prays out whatever she's got for that. And he prays out whatever she's got for it. Holly prays, Barb prays, Bob prays. You know, we just pray into it until we feel like we're done for today. But there is, a, there is a, an urgency. There is a demanding and it comes from the Spirit of God. That's what these people, it says they were, they were living this way about having a fatherland. And here's what that means. Fatherland is a place to which you are native born. Okay, it's a place to which you are native born. So it's an environment. It's an atmosphere. We're, we're born again. We are native born to the atmosphere of heaven, not to the atmosphere of this earth. All right, we are native born. Ephesians chapter 5, probably along about verse 8, says we are children of light. We used to be in darkness. We're children of light. And it says live as those, the Amplified, live as those native born to the light. So it's like God's light, God's life isn't alien to me anymore. I'm an alien and a stranger on earth. God's life is where I'm, that's my fatherland. That's who I'm native born to. It's an identity thing. It's about, it's about spending enough time with him to recognize Christ is my home. Have, we say heaven, heaven's my home. Christ is my home. You know, the earth is my assignment. I love the people here and I'm here for that. But the earth as it stands today is is not my home. They were looking for a country whose culture and spiritual atmosphere matched what their faith was revealing. Does this make sense to you? They were, they were, they were longing for this, this land that was God's land, where God was worshipped, where his blessing flowed. All right, you just take that into New Testament terms. They wanted to see the characteristics of God's kingdom released on earth, and they didn't feel at home on the earth as it stood in their time. We live on a fallen planet. This attitude is an attitude of faith. It's not, it's not an us and them thing, and I, I don't want to make it sound that way. It's something that happens on the inside of us where we just recognize who we are and where we've come from. I meant to ask this earlier. How many of you think Annie should put together a teaching on the keys she's gotten to getting uh, out of an orphan's heart and pulling in that? Yep. I think that'd be awesome. I know. It'll come. Yeah. 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 Uh, sounds, it sounds awesome. Um, so it's, it's the fatherland idea. It's a land or a life that manifests outwardly what God has called and deposited inwardly. All right, and I'll, I'll wrap it up with this idea. If you take everything that we're talking about here, we're talking about spending time with God and seeing his promises and experiencing their reality and then praying and living them into the earth. Okay, we're talking about this idea that people, they're, they're in search, they're passionate about that whole realm being released on earth. They're passionate about seeing their friends come to Christ. They're passionate about seeing people lifted out of poverty. They're, they're passionate about people getting out of whatever doesn't belong in the kingdom of God, right? And being lifted into the life that Christ died for them. So, 
So we live with that passion in our hearts. And then we live in this world as it is. We're living in those two realms at the same time. There is, and this is a real key. It sure helped me. I hope it'll help some of you. And we learned this years ago. There is, for lack of a better term, there is an inherent discontentment or frustration that goes along with living a life where you're spending enough time with God to see what he wants for your marriage, your children, your home, your business, your, you know, your community, whatever. You're seeing the incredible blessing he has and that he's already purchased and he's already laid out for us. And then you spend that time and then you come out and you see how things are. And you want that to change. That's a good thing. We've got to stay there. I'm just saying, for you as a human being, there's almost an agitation about that. And you can't let it deter you from prayer. You need to stay in this place of pulling on it, knowing that's God's best. This is all temporary. There are no impossibilities with God. I had uh, one, one preacher said, uh, well, let me read this to you. There's an inherent discontentment associated with living with the revelation of all God desires for people while simultaneously seeing the decay and devastation that's caused by sin in the whole earth. Even in the environment, you know, nothing on this earth is the way God set it out to be right now. Romans chapter 8 tells us that the whole creation, the, the way the Greek reads, is stretched out on tiptoe. Just stretched out watching for and desiring the revealing of the sons of God who will free it from its bondage to decay, right? Because sin has come into the earth. And, that, and so to me, you can think about this because it's beyond me. But uh, to me, the whole, you know, we live in a universe that is in decay. On the one hand, it's expanding constantly, which is cool. Light B, it hasn't stopped being yet. But at the same time, you know, you leave stuff out in your yard, it rusts. I mean, you know, there's this inherent decay in the earth. I don't think it was designed that way. I think that's a part of the fall. You know, things that are unattended decay. And so we're here, you know, as stewards. But, but the creation, it says, is longing for us, the children of God, to be releasing the it, it from the frustration and decay associated with sin in the earth. And I, and I mean, that means about a million things that could be the call of God on our lives. We are supposed to be the ones that are getting wisdom from God on how to solve environmental problems and solve different problems, social problems in our lives. So, so my point is that I, I heard this preacher say years ago, said, with God, you have to learn to be content with never being content. Because God shows you something and you start to go for it, whether it's for your life, a change you want to see in your life, or something you want, you know, something else that you're praying for and you're believing God for and, and you're, you're pulling on it. By the time it's manifested, he's already showing you something else. And so this is awesome and we welcome it and everything, but man, you showed me that, we need that. And so you got to learn to be content, but never quite being content because God's always going to show you more. He's always, he is, as a story I told earlier, he's huge, he's big, there's always more. But just 
realize, let that discontentment press you more into his face and into prayer and spending time with him and receiving his joy and his peace and all of that. Don't let it deter you. Oh, I didn't see that happen. I didn't, you know what Annie just talked to us about. Be thankful. Rejoice in the things you have received. Rejoice in every little stinking victory that you get while you're headed for the big one, okay? It's, it's the way we do it. But I think if you're going to live a life of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if you're going to live that life, you're going to experience some of this. And there are going to be days where you're just frustrated. Man, I've been praying over this for a long time. Well, just get renewed and keep praying over it. It's good somebody is, okay? So does that make sense to you? All right, we'll quit there today. Yeah, we got through another verse today. That's awesome. Now doing one a week. Thank you, Lord. These verses are rich. They're just rich. Wait till next week. It's really good. All right, Father, we just thank you. Actually, next week, Justin is speaking, so it'll be a couple weeks. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for this today. I just pray over us again as a people, Lord. Help us to be a people that know how to spend such quality time in your presence that we do see the dreams in your heart. And we receive them. We welcome them. We are awed by them. And they produce faith in us. And Father, show us our role. Show us the part you have for us. It's not all up to us. Just a piece. And Lord, show us the part. Show us what you would have us to pray for. Lord, show us where we are gatekeepers, as we said earlier. Show us those places that you want us to pull on. And Lord, we commit to doing it for our entire life and rejoicing and enjoying our time with you more than anything else. The relationship itself is the point. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for that. We thank you for calling us into partnership. Thank you that you've said we're co-laborers with you. And Father, as we go out this week into this community at this time, Lord, we go with you alive on the inside of us. We go to carry the blessing of your life and your kingdom into the lives of our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers, Lord. We thank you for it. I thank you that your church goes out powerfully into this community this week to make people's lives better. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we're going to be dismissed and we'll say on the count of three, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. And then as always, we've got some good stuff out there for you. So hope you'll hang out, make friends, pray with each other, love on each other today, and then go out there and be the church, right? All right, let's go ahead and stand up. And we'll say it together. Boy, you guys are quiet today. It's all right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gundersen Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. 